0: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.
1: Anthony, tell us a little more about why you're writing this. Because we, we talked about all of the different mayoral candidates. Thank God the progressive approach lost in this one among the Democrats And Sherelle Parker, even though she was not endorsed by the FOP and local police, she came out saying that she would be strong. She wanted to hire more police. She would be tough on crime. And as a member of the community, as a mom in Philadelphia, she said, I'm going to be tough on crime. And that message resonated with so many in Philadelphia. Talk about what you're writing about with Democrats and the stance on crime.
2: Yeah, so I think there's two things going on here. Um, one, I think Parker is coming in and offering a fairly pragmatic approach here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's she's arguing that we need to you know reform some things and make sure that we're addressing mental health issues and addiction problems, um, cracking down on illegal guns, but also making sure there's more after-school programs for uh, youth, uh, trying to create more jobs and economic opportunities. But at the same time, you know, she's very aware that even among Philadelphia Democrats. A lot of them say that the city doesn't have enough police. So she's looking to fill police vacancies. She's looking to hire another 300 um, police officers. She's looking to make sure that, you know, police officers are walking beats in neighborhood and getting to know people who live there. Um, So I think this is sort of an example of, you know, no one in Philadelphia, very few people in Philadelphia think crime is not an issue. Um, but even, you know, on the left and on the right, I think there's more room than we really acknowledge that, uh, you know, there, there's some talk that crime is an issue. We need to do more and the poli- police play a role in this, but so does other reforms to kind of make city- the city better and, you know, get people more of a uh, footing here. So I, I think there's some hope. I think it's at least it's an interesting approach to watch and see if Parker can kind of, uh, thread this needle here.
0: Yeah. And,
1: I know that she's facing David O, who's the Republican on the Republican side of things, but we have this little thing called voter registration in Philadelphia. And so for every one Republican, I believe there are seven Democrats. And so I always, Mm -hmm. I have to say that, I have to say that there are two candidates running for mayor now after the primary. But by all accounts, the reality of the situation is that that primary most likely I mean, you you know, you can't rule. I'm sure David O would love to to say, you know, hey, I'm I'm out here and I believe I can get the the votes uh, by Democrats and win them over. But by all accounts, uh, Sherelle Parker will be the likely next 100th mayor of the city of Philadelphia. So as you as you look at this, Anthony Hennan and as you write here in the dot com, which people can find you. Find your article and your work. Talk to me about how it strikes you that we had this neck and neck. We We had a wide field of candidates from somebody like a Jeff Brown who ran as, hey, I'm a local grocer. I really hired people in the community who deserved a second chance, worked within the community that way. He fell very quickly. But also looking at a Rebecca Reiner, who was endorsed by former, you know, popular mayors. It really, she kind of fell flat, too. Alan Dom, big name, and had calculated this run. We think about his candidacy. No, nobody stuck with the people of Philadelphia. I know, I hate that a lot of people will say, well, the reason Helen Gim didn't resonate was because, of, you know, Sherelle Parker's an African-American woman, and it was all about race. I, I actually disagree. I actually think you're right. I think you nailed it here, that it resonates the way that she came out with a common sense style approach to say, we're going to look at this, we're going to work with everybody, and we're not going to isolate anybody, and we're going to figure this out, and we're going to solve it. I, I, I agree with you, and I think nobody nobody has been saying that really. A lot of, of the, even the New York Times wrote about the fact that's why we wanted to, to put you out there and say Anthony Hennan got it right. The New York Times and, and other major publications and writers, they got it wrong. They wanted to blame Sherelle Parker's ethnicity. Could that be a factor, her gender ethnicity? Sure, it always is. But there were other African-American candidates who are part of the community, mm-hmm. who are known. I think you got it right. It was her pragmatic, that common-sense You know, community style that she has, very authentic. And I think you nailed it, Anthony.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, when you're looking at Parker, I mean, she's clearly, you know, she grew up essentially within the city's black political establishment. Mm -hmm. So you can't you can't ignore that. But at the same time, I I think Philadelphia is one of these cities where, yeah, sure, it's heavily Democratic. You know, there's a strong progressive movement here. But at the same time, you know, Philadelphia does not have the uh, growing population numbers. It does not have the uh, high levels of economic wealth that mm-hmm. can really kind of let people just ride on these ideological um, ways to look at look at life. I, I think that's why, you know, it was very clear. Parker's pragmatic. When you look at Alan Dom's campaign or Rebecca Reinhardt, they were also running on some very concrete, you know, this is not left. This is not right. This is about governance issues and make either making the city safer, making the city uh, more prosperous. Um, I think Philadelphia is one of the cities where you look at it and there's these headlines about what this essentially being a referendum on the progressive movement, but at the same time, you know, people have to live here and Philadelphia is a regional powerhouse. It's a state economic powerhouse. Um, so I, I think when, when you kind of move the headlines out of here, sure, there's some interesting um, just that kind of political ideological arguments. Um, but at the same time, when you watch these debates between the candidates, when you read the candidates platforms, it's still a local election. And I, I think, especially in a, in a place like Philadelphia, where you have these economic issues, where you're wondering, will people keep moving into the city or will they stay in the suburbs? When you look at all these, um, issues around crime and public safety, uh, you can't just run on political mottos and slogans. You have to really come in. You have to talk to people and you have to get a feel for, you know, how you want to improve the city. You can't just cruise, I think. And I, I think that's a very, um, important thing when you're looking at local politics in the city
1: so um anthony hannon we we wanted to talk to you about this issue but i have to ask you about you because you have such an interesting background and on twitter you know it says um pennsylvania reporter the at the center square who you've written this article for but that you're interested in post-communist europe Appalachia architecture, higher ed, I'm I'm really fascinated by the diversity of you know topics that you're interested in. Tell me a little bit about why you're interested in post-communist Europe, Appalachia architecture and higher ed.
2: <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I so I grew up uh, right on the border of Ohio and West Virginia about three hours um, southwest of Pittsburgh. Um, so it's just you know Appalachia is my home region, so I'm just very interested and staying involved in that, whether it's, you know, the history of the region, the culture, what's going on now. Um, so, you know, kind of running the Expat Alachans group is uh, a way to keep more in touch with what's happening there. Um, you know, I go back home, I see family, but, you know, being in Philadelphia, it's it's a long drive home. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, that, that's one way to do it. Um, and then in, in my 20s, uh, I spent a lot of time in Central and Eastern Europe. Um, so I lived in the Czech Republic for a bit. Uh, I made it over to Romania a few times. I did a long trip through Russia. Uh, so, yeah, these, these things just sort of grabbed me. And especially, I, I suppose, when I was in Europe, um, just the the way cities were built, the way the architecture went up, that really grabbed me. Um, and that got me interested more in art and culture and history. Um, and so that, that's kind of stuck with me, especially even now when I'm still in Philadelphia. I mean, I'll just walk around the city and just, you know, notice the buildings, notice uh, one neighborhood changes from the next. Um, I, I think it just really helps pick up on, you know, the ebbs and flows of where you live and what's mm-hmm. surrounding you.
1: And so because of where you grew up, it makes me, it reminds me of the Hulu series, Dope Sick. We just had a ruling. There are a couple of articles today, and I know you've written about uh, rehab and 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 this issue but – and especially where you're from, that was – isn't that the area where Michael Keaton was supposedly from that was hit hard? Correct me if I'm wrong, by the opioid um, – well, I guess we were all hit hard by the opioid crisis. But I don't know. Do you have any mm-hmm. opinions about this? Two stories come to mind. You know, the Sackler family, that news yesterday, the major settlement where none of these people go spend a day in jail and they still get to be billionaires – and then number two, the story of how we are distributing the settlement money, but nobody further can um, can sue, you know Purdue Pharma, etc. I I know that I'm mm-hmm. I'm throwing uh, I'm throwing this at you, and, and you're not expecting it, but I have to ask you because I feel as I'm looking through what you've written about before, m- maybe you have some thoughts on this, Anthony.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, so Southeast Ohio, I mean, yeah, there, there's been an issue growing up, you know, when you, you had meth around and everything else. Um, you know, it's still an issue in the area. It's not the hardest hit part of Ohio. Um, I mean, as you know, Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. Ohio, West Virginia, have been sort of the hardest hit by, um, these opioid issues, um, be it just lives lost, how many people are struggling, the strain on local county and regional uh, state governments. Um, So i mean it didn't really affect me growing up you know i have i have friends who've lost friends family members um as a result of this um i mean in pennsylvania i'm surprised at just how many uh state representatives or state senators i'll i'll interview for stories Mm -hmm. and you know they've had a family member who died from an overdose or they've had friends who've died from an overdose um so within uh the opioid fund for pennsylvania i've been trying to follow that closely And a lot of this money flowing in, um, a lot of it's just issued out on the county level. I think about 70% of the money just goes straight to county government to decide how to spend, um, according to some parameters set up by, um, the opioid settlements. And then another 15% gets doled out by the general assembly. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've sat in on a meeting or two of the opioid settlement Mm -hmm. trust for Pennsylvania. Um, I've interviewed, um, the board, the board chair. Uh, or the trust share, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, there, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I mean, this money is going to be spent over the next 18 years. Uh, so we don't know how all of this is going to break down just yet. A lot of this is just seeing, you know, what local, uh, local governments are spending it on. Um, there's also a lot of kind of confusion on the county level yeah. of asking for more guidance from the trust on how they can use this money. Um, I mean, I'm cautious. I, I think that the biggest thing here is making sure that it's a transparent process. Yes. That, you know, there there's accountability for how this money is being spent um, when you compare other states and how they're putting the money out. I mean, there's a, a bunch of different ways to do this. Not every state is just sending money out on the county level, mostly. Um, but I think it's very important for us to follow how other states are spending this money yes. and how they're tracking it. Um Because, I mean, Pennsylvania, there's some concerns that's not as transparent as it could be. Um, We're doing better than some other states. I know, I believe Ohio's opioid trust is in a lawsuit right now to release more information. Um, But I think what's really crucial here is people just, you know, reaching out to their county commissioners or their leaders and making sure that we can see where this money is going, how it's being spent. Um, Simply because, I mean, 2021, which I believe is the latest uh, year we have data for, more than 5,400 Pennsylvanians died from an overdose. Um, We're One of the states that's been hardest hit, we're number two or three, I think, in terms of annual um, deaths. So I think to make sure that people who are really struggling with this can actually benefit um, from -hmm. better programs in the future or making sure this isn't going out and threatening people, um, I think we really need to be watching it.
1: Yeah, and Anthony, in fact, I know you posted another story 18 hours ago at CenterSquare.com where you talk about this bill that's yet to be introduced. Can you talk about that in Pennsylvania as far as what would – and it's, it looks like a bipartisan bill in Pennsylvania. Um, is that mm-hmm. correct? And, and Anthony Williams, which who I know well in, in Philadelphia, but also um, from an eerie PA, so Republicans – right? Working with Democrats to try to figure out, especially not just Kensington, but across Pennsylvania. Can you talk about that, that newly proposed bill?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, Yeah. So this is coming from um, Senators Dan Laughlin out in Erie and Anthony Williams in Pennsylvania. Um, You know, a lot of this is just coming from uh, politicians just kind of working together and talking. I mean, this is sort of When I was chatting with Laughlin about this yesterday, um, he says a lot of this is coming from just actually visiting neighborhoods like Mm -hmm. Kensington and Philadelphia and just seeing the suffering. And I mean, he said the human misery that I saw walking down those streets really shook me to my core. Um, So this bill, it hasn't been introduced yet. You have the the legislative memo is up on uh, online, but they haven't uh, given the bill a number or anything yet. Essentially, this is an idea to, uh, they say, helping individuals regain control of their lives, where if someone is uh, overdoses three times and is revived by um, Narcan, the, anti, or the overdose reversal drug, mm-hmm. uh, if they need that medical attention three times, then they get uh, involuntarily committed to a rehabilitation treatment for 90 days. Um, so this is really, you know, this is them trying to take a, a step here. To uh, help people, where you know, if, if you just keep reviving someone after they overdose and keep letting them do this, you're not helping them. Um, they're harming themselves and they're harming the community because kids have to walk through yes. neighborhoods like this. People just trying to get to work have to deal with this. If if it's not directly a crime, it's just you know you have needles laying around. Um, and so I, I think I, I think this is an interesting step. Um, I'm not sure how much traction this will get um, in the General Assembly. Uh, but as we're watching these bills come out on the state level and watching some of the local initiatives in Philadelphia or elsewhere, um, you know, the details, you can see people disagreeing on them. Uh, but there really does seem like there's a lot more attention um, being given to this topic, whether it's bills like this, whether it's boosting spending on um, mental health or yeah. drug rehabilitation uh, programs. Uh, there seems to be at least it's more of a priority than it has been in years past.
1: Yeah, and, you know, you are you write about this as it just seems like a common-sense law that's hard to believe they didn't have this before. So, and it's not, the, I love that you wrote about this, Anthony H- Hennan, because it's not that sexy story that gets all the headlines, and it's an example of what happens in Harrisburg when bipartisan groups say, you know what, this is common sense. If we have, you know, law enforcement and officials revive somebody, let's make sure that we we say no. It's mandatory that we're going to help you. And you you quoted um, Senator Dan Laughlin of, of Erie, who says, you know, if somebody falls overboard, you don't say, hey, we're going to teach you how to swim. You you do a rescue, and and that's that's such a great analogy and a great article that you've written. So people, I hope everybody checks out your work, thecentersquare.com, and follows you. On Twitter because you have an array of issues that you follow and report on regularly. So, Anthony, we really appreciate you. Thanks for coming on live.
0: We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone fifteens, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone fifteens? Only at T Mobile get four iPhone fifteens on us and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.